Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, Join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Helping Friendly Podcast. I'm Megan, and I'm here today with two awesome guests because we are going to be talking about October 19th and 20th, 2021 in Eugene, and I was not at these shows, so I needed to bring some new friends on to tell us their experiences. Brian, you were doing, you did almost the whole fall run, and Max did a lot of the fall run too, so I'm super excited to dig into these shows with you guys. How are you today? Great. Thank you. Fantastic. Awesome. I really appreciate it. Max, we got connected because I was actually out in Oregon last week visiting my sister and I met a very old friend of yours. Yep. It's cool to have all these worlds collide. It's a small world, you know, we're all connected. Just yeah, kind of exactly. back the layers. It was great. Yeah. So I knew that I had now a connection to some West Coast fish friends, which is super cool. So I really appreciate that when I reached out to her, she gave me your info and you were so eager and awesome to come on. So it means a lot. Thank you so much. And Brian, you are an HF Pod Pro, I understand. Yeah, I was on um, with RJ back in 2014 after the Twee Prize show or the Twee Fest show. Uh, mm-hmm. I used to live in D.C. with RJ. So we used to hang out um, back before I moved out to California in 2015. Um, and yeah, I've kind of done some things with the Wood Plus guys. So, um, I've been on these kind of recently. This is great. Thanks for having me back. That's, that's so awesome. I'm so glad you could come on and it's fun to go back and listen to these shows because they're just, it was a great, great time for fish. And I can't believe it's been a year already. It seems like it's longer than a year and also really recently. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, you it's know? great. It's like, I kind of have this, this whole tour still in the back of my head. Um, mm-hmm. you know, 
it was it was after you know the pandemic and moving to the west coast like you can't always hit the east coast shows so you know just um just being excited to just hop in your car and kind of hit all these shows in california especially from like starting at shoreline and going forward um and that was you know that was um a made-up show. They were supposed to be in Tahoe, and we had the fires that day, so they mm-hmm. ended up moving it down to Shoreline. So that was that was really special venue and really special shows there. But um, you know, everything from Sacramento going forward, and then we had um, San Francisco, and then these shows. These were actually two of the shows I did not hit the store, but I caught the whole rest of it. But yeah, it was great. That's amazing. Yeah, they really gave a lot of love to that West Coast, to you guys. I didn't see a single show on this whole tour because I live in Brooklyn and, you know, I teach, so I can't leave during the school year really for any extended period of time. So it was rough. It was a lot of couch tour for me, but, um, a lot of FOMO, but, um, and then I had to wait so long also, cause I didn't get to see shows again until April. So, cause I didn't go to Mexico. So it was, a uh, it was a long wait for me, but it was really fun to couch tour because these shows were so great. So awesome. I'm excited to get into it and hear a little bit about kind of your journey with fish, both of you. But before we do that, I just want to remind everyone, if you have not, please subscribe to Osiris Media on Apple for HFPod Premium. And we have a new premium offering through Memberful. And you can look that up if you go to osiris.memberful.com slash join. So you're going to get a lot of ad-free content. You're going to get premium bonus episodes. You're also going to get access to Osiris live events and meet and greets and lots of great connections and things that Osiris can offer you. It's a really great way to support us. It is as low as $5 a month. You should probably spend that on a coffee or a croissant or something. So please support Osiris and everything that we're trying to do here. Okay. Enough with the housekeeping. Now we can get into the good stuff. So, Max, do you want to share a little bit about how you got into fish? Sure. Okay, cool. Um, so, early 90s, um, really into the Grateful Dead um, in high school. Um, spring of 92, I had a bunch of friends who went to see fish in Portland at the Roseland Theater. I heard about it the next night and um, started listening to Picture of Nectar and like got really involved and engaged with it and got my chance the next spring, spring of 93 to see them for the first time. And uh, it's been, you know, it's just like from there, it kind of spiraled and started growing my touring in the Northwest and then to the East Coast and wherever, you know, far corners of the continent um, over a 30 year span. So it's, it's been a good run and uh, it's still exciting to do, you know, all these shows. I just got back from Dick's uh, last month and that was a blast and uh, looking forward to what 2023 brings too. So. That's awesome. I would love some time to hear about those 93 West coast shows because that was an exciting time for the band. That's awesome. For sure. And Brian, do you want to remind our listeners since it's been a while? Sure. Yeah. Um, Kind of, I'm from Worcester, Massachusetts, so I ended up shoveling a neighbor out in the middle of a snowstorm, and she said she worked for the Centrum, and then she's like, I can get you tickets to a show, so I just heard of Fish maybe in the last year or so, and I was like, hey, this band's coming into town. She's like, oh, we know them very well, so she ended up getting me three tickets to the 03 show, um, that winter tour, which was absolutely spectacular. Um, yeah, Yem was my first live song. I had no idea what it was at the time, so it was quite a journey from there on and, um, you know, being part of the 2.0 crowd, which is very few of us, um, you know, learning a little bit from there and then getting back in, in 2009 and seeing shows pretty much every single year up until, um, up until now. So my last shows were Alpine, which was my 150th show. And yeah, it's, it's, it's been a journey, a lot of great friends along the way and, um, just love listening to the band. That's awesome. And I have to say every 2.0 fan that I know, is so dedicated because you came up in a time that was like fish was not always available. You know, I think that makes you almost like, I don't know, want it more. I don't know if that's true, but yeah, it was like 10 shows I saw in, um, in that era. And then you have this giant gap of just getting into this band and you're like, how much stuff can I download off Napster or where can I find? Yeah. And I didn't really, you know, then we weren't trading tapes this time. We were trading CDs. So I would just have booking CDs in the car and driving around and until that announcement in 2009. And I was just like, all right, it's finally on again. So, um, but yeah, just learning along the way, kind of just through CDs instead of seeing the band. 
Yeah, I think that's so interesting. Whereas like Max and I, you know, when we got into the fish, it was, they were all, they were playing a lot, you know, so you could see them a lot. So I totally think that it added like this extra like drive in 2.0. So props to all the 2.0s out there. Yeah, we we love you. (laughs) So sounds like Brian, you did the whole tour except for these two Eugene shows in fall of 2021. And Max, do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about what you did of that tour? Sure. Um, I started in Sacramento. I did that show and then the two in San Francisco and the two in Eugene. And then I was riding my couch for the rest of the tour. Uh, enjoyed, you know, Chula and Vegas and all that good stuff. So uh, I got a pretty good sampling of the music that tour. And really, that was a, a great tour. So glad that I got to see a good chunk of it. Yeah, absolutely. And even though you saw the beginning, you saw some great shows really great shows. I feel like all of these shows had just spectacular moments. So we've got the Sacramento show. We talked about the first night in San Fran um, earlier in the week. And then there is the second night in San Francisco and we have this tragedy happen. So I'm so curious to hear kind of what the vibe was like going into the shows in Eugene. You know, you've got them playing at the University of Oregon Matthew Knight Arena. This is like the second time they've ever played there, right? They played there in 2014 and you were there, right, Max? I was, yep. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was pretty intense. Like, I, I mean, just to backpedal to San Francisco for a moment, like um, I was on the floor for the show and, um, you know, saw some hubbub going on in the stands, but didn't really know what was going on until later. And then afterwards, you know, some friends of mine were nearby and they kind of relayed the story. And, you know, that's like heartbreaking. And then, um, you know, I honestly, uh, going into the Eugene show, yeah, you're carrying that with you. And like, you know, the band knows at that point. And I was, I was grateful that Trey just kind of, you know, spoke to it for a moment. Um, I appreciate Trey's just genuine authenticity and just, you know, like the guy's speaking from the heart and um, it touched a lot of people. And, you know, there's people impacted who were nearby. There's people impacted who knew that person and that person or those people, um, you know, in the incident incidents. So it was kind of heavy, but like, you know, starting with a 25 minute down with disease kind of washes that away, you know, like, or kind of blurs it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, this is the, at this point, I don't know if this is still true, but it was the longest opener ever. I don't know if either of you know if that's still the case. Um, I think it still is. You know, I've looked at things like the Riverport Gen. That's only 21 minutes. This is 25.52. It's pretty incredible. And this is two nights later. Excuse my dog. My dog agrees, too. Um, you know, this is like two nights after they play that epic Carini encore, right? A couple nights later. So already in the tour, this is like the fourth show. They've played, you know, almost two 30-minute jams. It's pretty spectacular. Brian, what did you think about this opening down with disease? You know, as, as Max was saying, like, we didn't even know it happened until we left the show, uh, you know, kind of coming out on that high, that Carini and, you know, listening to it on the way home. And then like, we find out that it happened and we're like, Oh, wow. And of course, you know, one of the, one of the things that you hear from people is, is fish going to make a statement about this. And yeah. it's kind of seemed like it was swirling around the community a lot more. Um, like I said, I wasn't at the show. So, you know, you read message boards and you get online and a lot of these questions are popping up. Um, and I think it's great that Trey did address the crowd about this and wanting everyone to be safe. And, you know, Trey's taken steps in his life to be safe. So to be able to pass that message on to people, um, I think was really important but like, you know, Max said, opening up with a big disease to try to like wash everything away and like, hey, let's get a fresh new start to this. It's a brand new show, brand new town. Um, you know, it's it's great to hear Paige start layering and adding the synths in there. And, um, you know, Trey using his like Moochon kind of weird tone through there, too. It's And then it got kind of blissy towards the end, you know, but then kind of flipped back around again. And that was, I think that fit really well into what, what they did that entire tour. It's like that sound, that's, um, you know, the whole band being on it together. Um, and just like adding the layers, which made that disease just absolutely incredible to start that show. Yeah. The layers, I agree. It's just something they did so well. It's they're able to use their effect pedals and 
the synths and just really make incredible soundscapes. And they're, Trey's doing a really nice job, particularly in this downward disease, in going between, I think at like 11 minutes in, he's using those like really rich effect pedals. And then when he switches back after that, his guitar sounds like so delicate and sweet, maybe because like in just a position to that really kind of like spacey, dark, you know, pedal he's using. And I don't know enough about guitars to explain it well, but I thought his tone just sounded incredible. And Fishman is doing like these runs. And then you start getting to these like dark, evil monster sounds, which is so fun. And then of course, Trey comes in with like the blissy, hopeful notes at the end. And yeah, I agree. I think it just, it was a strong message and I think it was a really good idea. And who else but Fish could find Jim out of that madness, right? It like erupts into this runaway gym and it actually makes sense. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> Gotta land somehow, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. a great gym. Like uh, it was, uh, it was kind of a type one, but just like it was pretty fierce and fiery. And uh, you know, like that was like a statement to kind of get that show moving. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the second opener. It's like, okay, we just dropped this huge bomb and now we're going to open the first set. Uh, and then following that up with Ocelot into Rift and Horn. And I'm just a sucker anytime they want to play Rift songs like back to back. I just think it's like so fun to hear them like that. Um, obviously, they go really well together. Um, yeah. And then into Yamar and then Stash and Walls of the Cave. I think the Stash is super interesting. What were your thoughts on the Stash? I was going to say, just before the stash, like, that Yamar had, like, Paige going with this kind of type 1-y jam, and then it stretched out probably a little bit longer than Yamars usually stretch out. So I just thought that, like, I re-listened to the show last night, and I was just going through it. I was like, that's actually just really nice, not to just kind of have a Yamar cut off, but it went a little further than usual. So um, I thought that was just kind of sweet. So going, you know, overlooked kind of song, but it, it really landed well, at least with me. Um, so yeah, yeah. that song can get to some really pretty places. Like if, if when they stretch it out a little bit, it is really nice. It has such a good groove. Mm -hmm. And the stash too, like, you know, stash, I always feel it's going to be more dirty ish and kind of out there, but I felt like this was kind of blissy, kind of a little nice, kind of higher end notes. I don't know if it was major keys or whatever, but it sounded just nice and happy. Yeah. I think that Paige is on the piano a lot and, um, I don't know if that's what made it sound really pretty, but that's what stood out to me. I felt like there was a lot of really great listening in the early part of the jam. There's like a lot of interplay between Paige and Trey and Paige just this whole tour. I think Paige sounds incredible, whether it's on the piano or the synths, but he, this is a really great jam. And I think Paige stood out to me a lot and maybe that's why it sounded, I don't know, less like dirty and gritty. Like I agree stash can be. Max, what did you think about the stash? Well, I, like, um, you know, how it normally is, the dirty, gritty, or kind of just a little, you know, edgy. I do like the smoothness. I like the the contrast. So just kind of speaking about, like, the disease or something, you know, where it's got all these different um, points. You know, it's got the dark, it's got the, the light, the major and the minor chords and the jams. And so, yeah, I can appreciate, like, just kind of mixing things up within the context of these familiar songs, you know. So I, I like the variety of it a lot. And uh when I heard that live there, I was kind of taken back. Um, I saw Fish in 94 in Eugene, and that was an all-time stash that they played that night. So oh, yeah. I haven't been back to see that one yet for a while. But, you know, just kind of like it jogged my memory, and it was kind of a, a sweet little uh, recollection. I'm glad you said that. I'm going to cue that up. I haven't listened to that in a really long time either. But 94 Fish is like, that's the year I first started seeing Fish. So that always like, always hits me right. Always hits me oh. right. Yeah, they had some enthusiasm. I mean, they got enthusiasm, but, you know, they're they're late 50s now. So that was they're in their late 20s or early 30s then. And yeah, they had some fire back in the day. Oh, yeah. We've been listening back and looking back at like a lot of the early 90s up to 94 um, on HF Pod recently. And it's been so incredible to listen to just their drive and their hunger. You know, 94 is like they are just about to play Madison Square Garden for the first time at the end of the year. You know, it is like they are reaching the peak and you can just hear it. So I agree. Love 94 fish. That's awesome. I'm listening to that tonight. Thanks. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then, like you said, both of you have mentioned after stash, Trey talks about being heartbroken about the events in San Francisco and 
What's amazing about what he says is that he connects someone who was injured in the incident back to their married to the event manager of, for the show in San Francisco. And I just thought it was like you both have mentioned so kind of classy how he explains that like this is actually like a small world that we're all in and we're all part of this community and it's actually like a lot tighter than you realize. Um, just like we were talking about at the beginning of the show, Max, like, you know, we're all kind of like one step away from each other. And I think him recognizing that and saying that they're just four more people in this group. We just happen to be standing up here. I thought it was just, yeah, really beautiful and perfect. And it's fun to hear him say something like, we're, we're going to play one more song. I don't know what the song's going to be, but we're going to play one more song and then we're going to take a break. Like this does sound like old fish. Like when they would just kind of like chat with the audience and be like, all right, we got another one for you. Like, don't go away. You know? So that was really fun. And then walls of the cave. That's a kind of classic number. I love walls of the cave. Yeah. Beautiful set closer and such a meaningful song too. Yeah, solid set, solid, solid opener on Eugene right there. Really, really good set. Like I would imagine feeling you felt pretty good after that first set. Like, do you remember kind of how people were feeling or what yeah, people were saying were still, at that rate? I mean, so just I don't know, to I think that you guys have kind of alluded to it a little bit before in the last couple episodes, but like for me going to Sacramento, that was like my first indoor show or my first fish show for two years. And like really every step of the way, there's people who are just kind of reintegrating into that, you know? And, uh, so certainly it's like they, they blow the roof off this place and everybody's kind of got all this two year pent up energy and, uh, they can hold the, they can hold the space for it. So it's pretty magic. Yeah. Just like being in the, in a fish show for the first time after the pandemic, my first show back was the first night of Hershey. So it was outside mm -hmm. and, you know, just an okay show, but the energy, you know, they came out and they opened with first tube and I, I thought I was going to like explode, you know, it was just like, I can't handle this. It was just so exciting to be back. And yeah, we were talking about that on Monday, how every show was someone's first show back. And that energy I think is part of what made 2021 so magical. And right, I just cool. want to say thanks to Fish for like holding the space in that time, you know, dinner and a movie and the Beacon Jams. Yeah. I mean, like really like that stuff, you know, it's like dinner and a movie had these text chains going and everybody's like mm -hmm. at their home talking to each other and Beacon Jams. Like, so we didn't get to see them, but like, I mean, they were still present and I, I appreciate that. That was really a nice gesture of those guys. Yeah, I totally agree. Those things kept me going. Definitely during that period of time. The Beacon Jams was, those were amazing. So amazing. Yeah, we should do like a little thing on those. Maybe we'll go back and do those. I remember when they were doing them, I wasn't um, a co-host yet. And I was like harassing everybody on HF Pod trying to get my spot here. And I was like, I think we should do something on the Beacon Jams. Have you guys thought about doing something on the Beacon Jams? They're like, okay, like relax, you know, it's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, so I liked those. <laughs> Um, all right, let's get into set two. So we've got Twist opens up into Blazon, to Plasma, to Leaves, to I Never Left Home, to Sparkle, into 2001, into Sigma Oasis, and an encore of Drift While You're Sleeping. I'm really excited to hear what your thoughts were on the second set. Uh, Brian, do you want to start us off? Sure. So, okay, cool. um, you know, we've already hit our one twenty minute jam, I think, for the show. So, you know, they can, <laughs> right? they can do a little bit more playing around with some more songs. So, um, you know, being able to sag from song to song here, I think it was all pretty clean sags. Like the the blaze on plasma sag was I was listening, I was just like, How did that just happen? You know, you're kind of already in that song. Um but yeah, twist again a little bit dirty. We've got like that Mutron kind of thing going on. We got some page synths, and um, that was just a really nice opener. Like um, I feel they had to say what they needed to say in that song. They kind of got through everything, and it was it was it was very well put together. Um, it didn't. I don't think it needed to be stretched out much longer than it did, and it just segged into Blaze On, which I thought was just great too. Um, which is always just a very very fun song to hear. Um, I agree. Yeah. I'm team blaze on totally. I, and mm -hmm. I feel like that song, the segues in and out of that song are often amazing. I feel, I feel like even this summer they were doing a lot of, I think it was like in Atlantic city or something. I don't remember. I'm not 
good like that at remembering the exact show unless I'm looking yep. at the set list. But yeah, they were just, they're always doing cool things in the segues that song. I don't know if it's just the way the song is set up that it's easy to go in and out of, but I agree. It's a great segue. Max, um, did you want to talk a little bit about the opening? Yeah, the twist was fantastic. And just to kind of speak to like the, it was kind of concise. I think it was like 12 or 13 minutes, but I appreciate mm-hmm. when they can kind of like, sometimes, you know, they'll stretch it out to 18 or 19 minutes and it'll just kind of get wonky or it'll go somewhere that doesn't really have a destination. Whereas like, you know, sometimes it really all you need is that 12 or 13 minutes to just kind of like put your whole energy into it. And like, there's a nice kind of polished piece of music. And so, yeah, I kind of appreciated that. And, um, the Blazon was great. It's always great to hear that song. It was born in Oregon and Bend the uh, 2015. So I saw that um, debut and it's always kind of oh, nice. my heart. So, and then Plasma, I love. Plasma is mm-hmm. a great song. Um, so it was a pretty nice one, two, three punch there. I enjoyed yeah, that. I agree. I think that like what you're saying about them getting to the jam pretty quickly is like, I think when you're playing at the level that they were playing at in fall of 21, they were able to find their spot in the jam pretty quick. It didn't take a lot of like that searching, you know, they were able to kind of lock in pretty quickly. I love this twist. It was funny. I was thinking about the vocals a lot because maybe because I've been listening to a lot of earlier fish that Trey's vocals are just sound really good. You know, I know he's been working with a coach and, you know, he was writing all these songs during quarantine, like that were really kind of like vocal heavy, you know, and just him alone in, in his apartment. But the vocals and twists, they sound really good. Um, he just sings with more finesse now and and more emotion. And it's just sometimes it just hits me and I'm like, wow, this guy's really locked in, especially when you hear how he used to sing. And it's so kind of like, you know, it used to be very like Zappa-like and exaggerated and like silly and kind of like it felt a little, I don't know, distanced emotionally. So it's really fun to hear him kind of like leaning into that now. Um, I love this jam. There's like this tribal beat to it and Trey's using the effect pedals over it. It gets super rhythmic, which is like my favorite kind of fish. And then it just devolves, which I think is is super cool. I also, I love Blazon and Plasma too. And, and this Leaves is just gorgeous version. Absolutely beautiful. Again, Paige just sounds amazing. I feel like the first time I heard this song, I didn't really appreciate it. Like when I heard it on Sigma Oasis, like when I was listening to it a lot, I listened to that album a lot when it came out. I don't know if you guys did, but I was like listening to it on repeat. And now that I've heard Leaves Live, I heard it this summer at Jones Beach and it's so beautiful. I don't know what you guys think about the song. I, I love Leaves and um, yeah, they dropped Sigma Oasis like April, 2020, you know? So it was like beginning of lockdown, like I got nothing else to do, but go for some walks and listen to some. Exactly. Uh, it was fantastic. So, and I do think those songs really, you know, kind of came in their own and they're still coming in their own, you know, as we will talk about Sigma Oasis, the song itself later, but like, uh, yeah, the album's great and Leaves was great. I welcome that. Like that's a fun, a fun place to land after a jam like, Plasma. I think that they maybe, I, I can't remember my notes, but there was kind of a ripcord in there somewhere. Maybe it was plasma that kind of went into leaves or maybe it was leaves into, I never left home, but there was a little kind of, it wasn't as smooth in there somewhere, but good stuff. Yeah, I agree. Sort of when you get towards the middle of the end of that second set, we kind of got some jumpiness going on between mm-hmm. some songs and you've got all this nice smoothness at the beginning, at the end, it's kind of like, maybe they lost focus a little bit. They tried to throw some songs in there, but um, you know, I'm not always the biggest fan of sparkle and we're kind of like getting into that. And I think from there into 2001 was a little bit of a jump too. Um, I mean, you can't always ask for everything to be perfect, but you know, it's they're, they're fun songs. And they're always good to hear. Like I never left home. That was the first time I think that was played. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm always welcoming new songs. If cool down songs, whatever they want to play. Mm-hmm. Keeping, the, keeping the band happy at this point so yeah but, exactly yeah. I agree I think that this is the only time they've ever played it still and never left home I mean I don't know if it's a great concert song but um it does kind of like I agree that the flow seems off at this part of the set and yeah it's tricky when you're inserting new songs right like figuring out where they go and and Trey was balancing so much of that this year there was so much new music and um I was thinking maybe it could end up being a cool like 
jam vehicle one day, who knows, but, um, it definitely has like a, a different vibe and yeah, into sparkle. It just, that, that vibe seems weird. I don't know what it was like in the room, Max, but it definitely had like a bumpy feel. It was bumpy. And you know, it's like at this stage of my fish career, I smile and just keep dancing, you know, like, um, it's absolutely right. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, all right, like that's not how I would have written set list or whatever executed it. But here I am, my friends are around. It's like, I haven't seen fish for two years and I'm going to just still enjoy this. And, you know, so yeah. it moves through kind of the bumpy weather and then we get back to the 2001 and, you know, that's dance party starts again and good times are abound. So and everybody's happy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I agree. It's like Jonathan has this sticker he holds up. I have no complaints. And I feel like whenever I'm at a fish show, that's how I feel. Like you're never going to find me at a fish show bitching. Like you're just not like I'm going to always be happy. Couch tour, then you can complain a little bit, you know, because you're not there. <laughs> and you have a reason to be disappointed. No. Um, this 2001 is awesome. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. And then I'll share mine because I love a 2001. I mean, I totally forgot about the 2001. And when I was listening to the show, because I just put it on on re-listen, just kind of kept going as I was doing whatever last night. And then, you know, we get to segment one. You're like, all right, sweet. You get to segment two. And then all of a sudden it's segment three of that starts. And you're like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. And you just kind of get super excited. You're like, I don't even care what they play at this point. They're going into that third part <laughs> that's never existed, you know? Um, so I got, I just, I just loved it. And I, yeah, <laughs> I get yeah, more excited weird. for that type of stuff, you know, and yeah. in the middle of the jam of a 2001, you know? Yeah. yeah it was funny. Cause when I was listening to it, same, I was kind of doing something else. And I actually said to myself, wait a minute, didn't they already play this part? And then I had to like re-listen to the whole song to figure out that, yeah, they were starting the jam. This was actually the first time, according to .NET, that there ever was a third jam. So that's oh. just so cool. Yeah, once they did that back into the refrain, usually it ends, and that's just really fun. And what a sick, funky jam. I mean, Trey is like just getting after it. So good. This is my favorite kind of fish, so... I Who doesn't like so to awesome. hang in 2001 for a while, right? I think this was yeah. like a 12 or 13 minute version. It's like, yeah, like this is this is a good dance party. And exactly. Yeah. It's like how it used to be, like how they do the super long intros. I'm like, yes, anytime you want to stretch out 2001, please play me like a 30 minute one. I'll be so happy. <laughs> then I'll really have no complaints. Um, yeah. And then, you know, end the song with the, um, oh, I forgot we have Sigma Oasis. Yeah. That's kind of a weird spot for Sigma Oasis. Yeah. I forgot they even had that. Especially after it's been like openers this year, yeah. or somewhere in the first set, like we had the big one in AC this year. Um, oh, so good. Yeah. You know, that's probably them trying to figure out where the song goes, you know, at this point, is it going to be a set closer? But um you know, it wasn't wasn't as high as an energy of a set closer as we could have other things. Mm -hmm. But again, solid song to hear. Yeah, I love I mean, this song. I think it's a great – sorry, Max. I think it's an awesome, awesome jam vehicle, and I love it as like a set opener or show opener. So good. It's growing a lot, and it is kind of fun to see. You know, it's like we're part of this experiment that they're doing, you know. So it's like, all right, where does this song fit, you know. And they've basically been playing this at every venue pretty much – since they came mm -hmm. back um, in different places. And so it's like, yeah, it's kind of an experiment. Is it like a mid first set song? Is it an opener? Is it an encore? So, you know, it's part of it. It's, it's fun to kind of see where they go. And I think this tour, they were kind of, you know, kind of fumbling around and trying different things in different places, like the 25 minute disease mm -hmm. opener, you know, instead of set two, it's set one. Um, and just kind of, yep. you know, plug and play and see what works and, you know, keep things interesting for themselves and for the fans. Yeah, the no set list rules was really a big theme of this tour. And I think why it was interesting too, right? And I yeah. don't care what people say. I'm a fan of Drift While You're Sleeping. You know, there was, um, I think the first time I saw that was in, oh God, the casino, Mohegan. And I was next to this old 1.0 head. I had no idea. He did not look like, he looked like a brand new kid. I mean, He's very good looking for his age at this point, but I had no idea it was 1.0. I, <laughs> I sat down and I was like, you know, after this entire show is a rager, I think they closed with that too. And I sat down and the guy made me get up. He's like, hey, 
I really like this song. This is cool. It's got this nice little beat in the middle of it. You're going to love it. And I was like, okay, whatever. And I get up and I'm just like, all right, whatever. I'll dance through it. I'll, you know, appease this guy. And then at the end of the show, I'm like, so when was your first show? He's like, oh, 92. And I'm like, oh my God, there's people that like hang on to everything from 92 and love it. He's like, I love everything about Fish. So at this point, yes. I kind of, he made me a believer of that song. So yes. I'm, I'm always okay hearing it. Um, and it's, yes, it's, it kind of holds a little spot special in my heart just because of that. That's such a great story. I love when like someone's first of all, not who you think they are. And then like <laughs> convinces you to like, you know, love something that they love and, and appreciate it. That's awesome. Yeah. This song, I heard this song. I remember one time I was driving to the grocery store, like, and it was on like, you know, fish radio, Sirius XM. And it was during like when everybody was like in quarantine and you had to like mask up and wear like gloves and you were like insane. You know, you felt like you were in like a sci-fi movie. And I heard this song and I was just bawling the whole drive. This song is, you know, it's pretty intense if you, if you think about what, how Trey, you know, what Trey was going through when he wrote it and, and how vulnerable it is. So yeah, I like it. And I think it was meaningful after, you know, what had happened in San Francisco. I think it was a statement. Agreed. Yeah. All right. So is there anything else we didn't talk about from this first night that we want to? I just kind of was curious the energy of uh, the end of um, that 2001, what it was like in there when they hit that third part that like the whole place end up erupting. Knowing it, did they just kind of like, kind of keep dancing? Because I you feel know, like if I was there, I would be the first one screaming on the top of my lungs. <laughs> people were pretty thrilled. People were pretty thrilled. You know, it's like you expect it to be six, seven, eight minutes, you know, and then it's like, all right, like we're past that. And now we're going into this like different area, different space and coming back around and it's building and building. So, yeah, people were pretty thrilled. Um, you know, sometimes... I don't know. Like, I like the 2001, like Sigma Oasis is, is a great landing pad, but maybe, uh, you know, other, other songs fit better at the end of a 2001, but uh, people were stoked. I was stoked. It was a lot of fun. Very cool. Yeah. I, I could see if they, if they f flipped that and 2001 was the set closer, I think that would have been kind of like a triumphant moment. And maybe that's what they had planned on and then saw the time or something. I don't know. I'm always curious as to like, like, you know, how much they think about that or if they're looking all of a sudden and they're like, oh, God, we still, you know, we have some time still. I was wonder. But, yeah, it was – it seemed fun in the room. Anytime 2001's on, it's usually a good – it's usually a good vibe, but especially if they're going to go into this third jam. It's awesome. All right, great. So let's move to night two. So, Max, what did you do during – before the show, night two? Like, tell us what you did. You know um – I went to college in Eugene, so I kind of know the town well, and uh, there's some some great little eateries around. So I think I went out for breakfast, brunch, and coffee, and, you know, like, I think it was kind of a rainy weekend or midweek there in Eugene, so it wasn't like we're going out hiking or climbing or anything, but, um, yeah, some good food and some kind of just downtime, you know, like, I kind of try to keep things on the DL before the show. You know, I'm not like going for a 10 mile hike or anything. So hanging with my friends and just kind of warming up and getting ready. And, uh, and then it's like, all right, we're getting our clothes on and we're going to go out dancing tonight. So. Oh my God. I love you. West coasters. You're like, have to like give an excuse as to why you didn't do a 10 mile hike. Like in, in New York, we'd be like, we fucking brunched. That's what we did. Okay. And we're proud about it. Like, <laughs> I just love it. You guys are awesome. I need to like motivate like that, but yeah, I'm glad you didn't do a 10 mile. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So you get into this tonight and now it's like, you know, it's good. You've kind of like had your moment, been able to like heal a little bit and come together. And now I'm ex this show is cool. This show is so interesting. Oh. I'm so excited to hear what both of you thought about the show. Cause I think that they really came into the show thinking about the set list and playing some really inspired music and interesting opening, like opening with Mr. Completely and energy. That's just, whoa, like what was the vibe like in the room when they opened with that? So I, I love that one, two, three, or yeah, one, two, three punch of the opener. Um, 
It was fantastic. I, you know, I'd never, I'd heard Mr. Completely with Trey Band before, but never with Fish. So that was kind of fun. And I've always been a fan of the energy, like um, back, to, you know, 2012, 2013, when they, you know, kind of first brought that to the fold. I always, I thought that was a fitting song. And um, yeah, it was like fierce. Like uh, that was like a 25, 30 minute, just like full throttle, like let's get this party going. And um, certainly they did. I, I thought that was a very strong start, even better than the previous night. And yeah, definitely like night two, I felt was stronger than night one, just two set fish show. So, but yeah, that was a really, really good start. Yeah. what do you think, Brian, about that opening? I came out of work and went back home, sat on the couch. And uh, <laughs> honestly, the one, two, three punch was absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, it had a lot of energy to open up the show. Um, I personally, that timber, the segue in the timber was very clean. Mm. Fishman was doing his work, which I think he's he did the entire tour. He was making beats out of fills and he was adding notes left and right, which I think for that entire first that, that entire first three songs kept everything moving and forward, kept everybody interested. There was no lull points for Trey to sit anywhere or Mike to sit anywhere. And it just it progressed forward. It was um, you know, disease great opener long, but honestly, this is the one, two, three punch with the energy behind it that the show like set the tone. Absolutely set the tone for this show. Um Yeah, I totally agree. I thought they came out like ready to play interesting music right away. Like these three are not my favorite fish songs. I'm going to be honest, but when they play them, I mean, one of them is a cover, but um, it just, it was, they played really inspired music. I think that they sounded super locked in right from the beginning. Um, I was actually reading about energy on um, .net and I was laughing because I just have to read this. I think this is so funny. It said energy burst onto the fish scene as the second set opener on 7513 at SPAC. Initially thought to be a new original song, it was quickly revealed to be a cover. This fact disappointed some fans who had long been awaiting new original material while simultaneously relieving others that the Mr. Wizard meets Greg Brady lyrics were not written by fish. <laughs> I just thought it was so yeah. funny because I really hate the lyrics of this song, but then it is a nice jam vehicle. Like it's almost like, you know, kind of like the love and light, you know, on the nose lyrics that people complain about with Trey's, you know, songs. I love them, but these songs often lead to just like epic jams. And I think that this is, this is totally an example of that. To me, it felt like they were obviously intentionally like playing a, a different, interesting show. When you look at the set list construction, it's just super different. And Casual enlightenment. Okay. The Gordon song. What did you think? What, what'd you think, Max? Well, you know, I am all about people being creative and expressing themselves creatively. So I'm going to just throw it up for Mike. Yeah. You, know, you are a man. I got to tell you, Mike Gordon at one point was talking about his creative process. Um, he got into um, the artist way by Julia Cameron, which is like a kind of, methodology um to kind of tap into your creativity wait and someone, it, someone was just talking to me about this today at work the artist's way that's yeah. so interesting okay so i didn't know this sorry mike basically spoke to this 20 years ago somewhere and i heard it and i kind of dove into that and started the practice myself and found some of this like amazing creativity and it's just you know it's kind of like teasing it out and so like i imagine you know him doing his practice and like all right like this is what came out in the moment and it's like him feeling it and like being the conduit for whatever kind of energy and words come through him and like fish gets together and plays it. Like sometimes honestly, like the fish edit thing, you know, maybe they could self edit one another some, but like yeah. I support them, you know, it's like, all right, you want to like, you're doing this 40 years now and like, yeah, be creative, like put it out there. Some things work, some things don't work as well. So I didn't love the song. I was kind of cringing a little bit, but uh, all for Mike Gordon expressing himself creatively. It's so diplomatic. And I agree if anybody's earned the right, right? Like for sure, he's earned the right. Brian, what did you think? You know, Gordon sounds sound like Mike Gordon songs. And, <laughs> yeah. and you know, when they're thrown in set lists, you can kind of usually pick them out because like I said, he's got a different creative process, different type of style of writing. And, you know, a lot of the songs that we see are either 
band written songs or Trey written songs. So they all have that sound, but um, you know, it's a Mike Gordon song, you know, we gets through, we get through a set of it. And um, you know, there's, there's things that I love about keeping the band happy and, you know, I'm sure this keeps Mike happy and, you know, he gets to play what he wants to play sometimes. That's great. You know? Um, Exactly. And important. I think, like you said, Brian, to keep the band happy. And you mentioned that Max too. And I just want to say about the artist way, because I think that's so weird that, that I was talking about this at work today because I'm a teacher and I was trying, we were talking about, I was talking with my um, associate teacher that I work with about how to get this struggling um, child. He's struggling to write because he's really critical of himself. And he was talking about how he, you know, started his writing the same way all the time and how it was so repetitive, which we were trying to explain to him is actually amazing that you're eight years old and you can analyze your writing like that. You're clearly actually a really good writer. And we were talking to him about this. And so she was saying that the artist's way has this practice of just writing for a certain amount of time every day and never looking back at it or waiting a really long time before you look back on it as an exercise for him to try to just like break out of that habit of, of, Mm -hmm. you know, of judging yourself so that you are actually unable to get anything on the page. Right. So that was, um, that's so interesting and sorry if that was a tangent, but, uh, I just find that so fascinating that you brought that up. And now I feel like the universe is like telling me that I have to like get involved with this. So we're going to have to talk more about this, Max, because. Yeah. I mean, I I encourage you to dig into that and anybody listening, you know, it's, it's an amazing process. Well worth like the 12 bucks to buy the book and just give it a little a shot, you know, so see. That's awesome. This might have to be like my winter break plan. I like this a lot. Yeah. It was funny. I was reading the, um, on fish.net, it was saying, uh, someone wrote in their review, like, they were just raving about the show, about the opening. And then they were like, casual enlightenment. Oof, please don't destroy the vibe. <laughs> Which I just thought was really funny. But um, yeah, no, I I, I agree. You've got to keep the band happy. And um, you got to got to let Mike do what he wants. Yeah. And then just interesting, right? You've got Divided Sky after that. Into, and then Farmhouse. Like, this is just, to me, super interesting. I was wondering what it felt like in the room. Um. I, you know, like every time they play Divided Sky, I love it. And it's, it's pretty straightforward. So I'm not looking for any kind of like, you know, crazy veer off left turns. Um, So, you know, it's like, it's, I appreciated it. It's not like my very favorite in like, I don't know, I guess I heard it at Dick's. It was an encore and that was cool, you know, and like, but it's, it's kind of a long song and um, wasn't my favorite placement of it, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's uh, kind of like a quintessential fish song, right? Like, yeah. And I remember I was talking about it with Brian once, and he was saying that you know you you know what you're going to get though, so sometimes you can kind of like zone out in a way that you don't when you know you're listening to a a jammed out Mister Completely, right? Because right. you're like, oh, what is this going to do? Where is this going to go? So I get that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind hearing it either. Like it's it's a good yeah. song. It's a nice almost kind of reset. If you need to sit down, if you smoke weed, you pack a bowl or do whatever you want. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's it's great. It's relaxing. It's it's great because it's a story. It's it's a straight mm-hmm. musical story where um, I don't know, and I just kind of love that. Um, <laughs> I was listening to Farmhouse after that. I almost heard Trey groan as he started Farmhouse. Then I heard the relation <laughs> of everybody else groaning. And I was just like, all right, all right. I know you guys got to play it. But, um, yeah, still just a little bit kind of a lull on the energy, I'm assuming, in, in, in the in the venue for those those couple of songs. But um, but we're, we're yeah. mid-first set. So, you know, I mean, like, if right. you're playing those songs, like, play them now. Like, you know, we're talking about the Rift Horn. Like, awesome. Mid-first set. Like, that yeah. is great. And same with this, you know, like, so. Yeah, I agree. And Brian, what you said about it being a story is so true. And it's a story that you know so well, right? Like mm-hmm. you, it's like, it's almost like a lullaby. You can like sit down and listen to it. You know what it's going to be. It sounds great. And when Trey hits those notes, you know, at the end, you know, you're just going to be like riding that divided sky moment. And yeah, I agree. It's a good feeling, good vibes. I like farmhouse, but yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, and then into this like super cool split open and melt sandwich with end of session in the middle. This is, this is cool. And clearly like planned, I would imagine. Right. 
Do you think they, I think they plan stuff like this, right? It's gotta be. Well, you gotta remember those words, you know? I mean, yeah, those are words, you know, I mean, like, are just deep in the memory banks. Like for me, like I'd heard it back in the day. I didn't recognize it in the moment. Um, And, you know, it came at the tail end of this like monumental split open and melt that, you know, the Mm -hmm. was splitting and opening. And uh, it was was (laughs) great, a great version. Um, And it was kind of a treat to get like a little, throwback to yesteryear in the, at the end of it there. And I think at the end of, was it Sac- Sacramento, they played uh, and so to bed or something like, so they kind of like mm. played a couple of these random old school, just ditties in the midst of other songs, which was interesting. Yeah. Their melt was great. And then I didn't know too much about end of sessions. I think but the only time I've really listened to it was the Baker's dozen one. And, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, like going back and like looking at my, like, app as I'm going through it. I'm like, okay, so when does it actually start here? And then it's like yeah. age coming in with the synths to kind of layer that again, which is, you know, the quintessential 2021 page sound is just layer yourself into this entire thing. And very, very cool to hear that. Very smooth transition. It was great. Like would love to hear that live. Um but yeah, melts I feel in the last like four or five years have really kind of put some umph on it. They've actually kind of cared about that song again. Uh, I think mm-hmm. in 18 at the Gorge, there was a really big one there. And I was kind of like, oh, wow, they finally are bringing mm-hmm. the song back. So, um, yeah, kudos to the band to, to explore that one again. And Dick's 2022. I mean, I just came off that run. Oh, yeah. Wow, that was a one for the books. That was fantastic. So, yeah, they're, they're still breathing life into that more every day. There's nothing better than a split open amount with some mustard on it. You know, it's like <laughs> it just has like the song is so old school classic fish but then it has like it's so unique to them and I think when they're playing it with that kind of like extra feeling it just really hits and I would also Brian love to hear end of session I would never not have known what it was when they were playing it I didn't even realize that it's like that's extra last track on story of the ghost and I, I don't know I guess I don't listen I don't listen to that album a lot um and so it's like it's so cool that they brought this back again, being so intentional, right. About like bringing like really weird stuff that they've only played right at the Baker's dozen on that very special jam filled night. And anytime they're hinting back towards jam filled night, like they're feeling the vibes, like for sure, you know? And I think that that was, it was, it was super cool. So like ethereal and it was like hinting towards that kind of sick at disc sound that they're going to release, you know, later on, after story of the ghost i think it's just super cool um the end of that mount like trey is playing some absolutely so blissy like hopeful notes with this just like pure tone and they build these like sweeping cinematic landscapes that's just um epic really gorgeous uh, i love that this was like the highlight of one of the highlights of the set for me i just thought it was incredible and you close a set like that like that's awesome I mean, I, I think people are probably really, really happy at the end of that set. Yeah, you forget about casual enlightenment at that point, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All is forgiven. All is forgiven. <laughs> um, the Incredible Perp says, I highly recommend the Boredom's cover of Free slash End of Session on the Sharon and the Groove tribute record from way back when. Oh, God, I have not listened to that album in so That's long. Been a minute. Yeah. And he says it's very slow and dreamy. Oh, I like that too. That's like some of my favorite kind of stuff when they do that kind of like, what's the use? Weird stuff. I'm into that. So I'm going to listen to that again. Thanks for the recommendation, Brian. Awesome. So second set. This is a cool second set. Very cool second set. Yeah. There's some really, really cool stuff here. Kind of like a classic beginning ACDC bag into Ruby Waves, into Lonely Trip, into Golden Age, sorry, into Number Line, and an encore of Wilson and Santos. So, Max, what was the vibe? How are people feeling going into second set? And how is I it mean, opening? after that split open melt, you've got, you know, a lot of people just trying to pull themselves back together. And they got 25, 30 minutes to like regroup. And then you got your ACDC, let's get the show back on the road. It's pretty concise, six or seven minutes. And then you blast off into, you know, the spaceship of 30 minutes of Ruby Waves. And uh, that Ruby Waves touches four or five different real kind of segments there. And 
they're varied. It's like it, it has the kind of the contrast points, you know, you've got your slower, you've got your faster, you've got your darker, your lighter, like the minor, major, minor kind of thing in there. So it's like you buy the ticket, you take the ride. And it was, that was a great ride. I, I loved that. It was like the highlight of the run for me was the Ruby waves. I think that and the split open and melt. So uh, it was a really a, a treat to listen back to that. And um, I'll listen to that again in the future. So. Yeah. I think yeah. like, a lot of the beginning of like the, the shows in 2021, the second set, you'd have like a jump off point. They'd play some song and then they would play a big mm-hmm. jam after it. Yeah. So like going into this, we're like, oh, sweet. Maybe we'll get a big DC bag. We haven't got one of those in a long time. And then they hop into Ruby Waves. And I know a lot of people aren't the biggest fan of that, but recently they just take that thing for a ride and i am just so excited when i see that on a set list i'm it feels like that song has always got a purpose it feels like trey really likes playing it it's got energy behind it so for that Mm -hmm. to be a big jump off point for this for this jam was just it was great um i mean personally i think the last 10 minutes of that thing you've got into this almost it sounds like another one bites the dust like from gordon and then you've got Paige playing these like driplets or droplets. And it's, I honestly, one of the best jams of Torah. This is why I really hurts that I missed that. I was not at this. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Piper from Chula is up there is one of the top ones for me. And, but like this probably has the most re listened value in my mind. And I've probably listened to it probably about six or seven times since this tour ended. Um, but yeah, whirlwind of emotions through that. It hits a lot of good spots. And, fantastic that they keep they keep doing things with that song i totally agree i think i mean this is almost 30 minutes it's 29 minutes and 37 seconds that means the band is inspired when they play this song like there's just and we've had so many of these i mean we've talked about this on the pod a lot but this song probably has like the highest batting average on the jam charts of almost any song i mean since its debut like this song rocks and it was, I agree. I mean, you both said it so well, but it just felt effortless, really delicate, really patient. Sometimes it was so quiet. It almost reminded me of like a late Grateful Dead jam. Like it just had like this really like patient feeling to it that I thought was just really cool. And then the end, yeah, tribal rhythmic, like just fantastic. I feel like to me, this is a jam that's not talked about as much as it should be. I don't know why. And maybe I've just missed it, but maybe because there were so many good jams from this tour, but this jam is really spectacular and should, it definitely has a lot of re-listen. I agree. And just one more thing about that. Like, um, you know, how we're talking about the consolidated 12, 13 minute song, Mm -hmm. this is 30 minutes. And I don't think there's like a boring, lull, aimless part of it. It is, you know, they've got focus segment and then they see segue into another focus segment. And it's it's a cohesive piece of music that just keeps on going and delivering. So, you know, sometimes after 30 minutes, you're like, oh, wow, this is just off in the ether. And, you know, yeah. like, lost me, but they didn't lose me. They they had me the whole time. No, well, and then they dropped you. Trey has that sound where it's kind of like when he's switching things in the middle, it's like the doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo. And it kind of like spinning thing. So you don't kind of get to him either with his like pick scratches or whatever, changing modes or changing whatever they do. Like this just sounds fluid because it's like, all right, let me use this pedal. Let me repeat it really quick. And then we'll end mm-hmm. up somewhere else. So it doesn't give you a, a, a time to think that there's a lull anywhere while it's changing. Yeah, exactly. It's masterful. And then they just drop you in lonely trip, which to me is the best landing after a big jam. I love that they, this became like the place to land after big jams. I've heard a bunch and not a bunch, but I've heard some like in Hershey and in um, MSG this year that were just like the perfect landing moments after big jams. And just this song is a song that sounds like it's always been there. It's I think absolutely stunning and sweet and meaningful and so earnest. And I think it's great and into a great golden age too. A little bit of like lyric stuff, but like this song has a lot of lot of words. So like it's not always gonna be perfect. <laughs> I always kind of group that with like the energy type of songs. Like those all kind of came from the same era. So yeah. Whenever I hear those in the same show, I'm always pretty happy about that. That was that was a good time of when Fish was pulling out some good covers and making them work. Yeah. Uh, and it's yeah. good that they, they retained Golden Age. Um, I agree. 
yeah, just just love hearing that song. I do too. And they've had some monster golden ages. Like, I mean, the Vegas, I don't remember what year that was, but they, I mean, golden age is an awesome cover. I agree. And I, I love it when they play it. I don't think I've seen that many either. Um, I think then, there, was a, there was a golden age, uh, what, thir- to nine years ago in Hampton today. I think today's the anniversary of that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a song that they can take out and they do. And it's, it's, it's a great song. And this is a good version, Spirited. And then um, everyone's favorite, Backwards Down the Number Line. I love it. I like being happy with my friends. So I like this song. And I think it's a great set closer. And Trey loves to play it. So I'm going to say one cool thing about that. So towards the end of that song, Trey holds this one note. And he holds it for about a minute and 10 seconds. And it's just so long. Yeah. And you're just sitting there. I mean, he dropped the ball a little bit on it. But he picks it back up. But like. You know, he loves playing number line. There's a lot of like some fast notes in there. And then he goes off in the end to just hold that note. And it's, it's cool. Yeah. Like I, instead of like, it's not like adding the notes in there. We're just letting it sit there, but it's almost like not having a note in there at the same time, you know, but. Yeah, I agree. I, when I was listening back to it, I think I was walking home and I just heard that and I was like, yeah, Trey, like you get it, you know, <laughs> you do you, you do you boo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was uh he was getting after it. He loves that song, and it's a good I'd be song curious to know what the longest sustained note is. You know, like I mean, that's probably up there. Are some divided skies in there somewhere, but you know, I mean, that's a long a minute and ten seconds is that's a long time to just hold. It's going to be that hood note from '96, right? That's going to be the longest note. Yeah, it has to be a hood. I, you know, this is like when I need Brian Brinkman because I just don't have the kind of catalog brain that he has. But um, there's definitely been some super, super long notes. I, I feel like there's one like three minute something, which is just like absurd. But I think there is something crazy like that. How long is that hood one? Do you do you remember, Brian? It's around three minutes, I think. Yeah. Two and a half to three minutes. I mean, that's just, that takes like a real commitment. Yeah. <laughs> and that's such like, a cool video to see it on YouTube. Yeah. He's still looking at the crowd. He's telling them like, bring it up, bring it up. And he's moving his hands back and forth and, you know, really interacting with the crowd on that. Like that's just really uh, cool. Oh, yeah. That's, that's like, that's great. Yeah. And then a really fun encore. Uh, what was the vibe like for the encore? I mean, Wilson Santos is like. Great, great. People are having a good time. High energy, blow it out. You got, 15, you know, 12 minutes to go. Just like two like strong punches. And, you know, it's like we've had a great show. Like I don't need necessarily some deep jam at that point. You know, it's just like, all right, send us off. Uh, it's been a good run. You know, like, you know, the organ contingency splinters off where they go. And, you know, we're <laughs> yeah. going back to California or wherever. And it was I thought it was a nice closer. Yeah, yeah like you've got like the old school and then the new school. It's great. Yeah, it's always a good closer, like to hear Santos. Um, very high energy, entire crowd getting into it. You know, it's it's definitely got its great spot there too. So um, great encore, great way to end the entire two nights. Um, you know, great to hear a five-song second set. You know, it's, it's, it's always fun. And they just did a five-song second set two nights before that in San Francisco. And then they had the four-song second set the second night of San Francisco. So at this point, yeah. like, you're looking, you're going into these shows, you're like, they could just put anything down and jam anything at this point, you know. And yeah. I looking at my friend during the Frankie Says in San Francisco. I was like, the way they're playing, they could jam this. So, um, Oh, my God. I love that Frankie Says. Yeah, we just talked about that on the show on Monday, that – that version is so good. I first, I love that song and yeah, it's such a good jam. But yeah, after all those, like the first three, four five shows, you could just tell it's like, Oh man, we're just into jam world, this entire, this entire tour. So for me, like personally, that's what I've always wanted to see. It kind of, you know, not the jumpiness, not the, not the um, rip chords or anything, but like being able to see cohesive jams like day in, day out from every show was actually starting to turn into a reality after this show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this tour is, is, is incredible because it starts out great and then it just builds and builds and builds and the Vegas shows are just so incredible. So it's really fun to go back and listen to this and been so awesome to talk to you both. Uh, I'm really excited to finally meet you both and get to know you a little bit and so appreciate you coming on and talking through these awesome shows with me. And I hope you both come back. Absolutely. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. 
Yeah. Thank you guys so much. Um, I'm going to force you to stay on real quickly. So it's not just me talking awkwardly to the camera while I do a super quick ad break. Um, I just want to remind everyone about Sunset Lake CBD. Their line of smokable hemp products are for the old deadhead or for the young fish fan. Anybody searching for a mellow body high, smoking CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis without the paranoid and anxious side effects. They've got nine different strains from this year's harvest. So they've got something for everyone. They've got Hawaiian Haze and Cherry Abacus. And what's great about Sunset Lake is that they ship directly from their farm to your door. So you are going to get really fast shipping and great pricing. So if you have never checked out CBD, or even if you have, please check out Sunset Lake CBD. They're awesome. And you can get a 20% off with the coupon code HFPOD. And I just want to tell everyone that we are going to be back on Monday. And we're going to be talking about Chula Vista. 10-23-2021. What a show. I'm super excited to return to this. This is going to be my listening homework for the next few days, and I'm feeling really good about that. You're going to have fun. Very excited. Yeah, this is a good good job. Somebody's got to do it. Um, We want to thank everyone also and remind them about Fans for Racial Equity. They are doing an incredible job trying to build an anti-racist live music scene, so check them out. You can go online and get involved in their education, outreach, and community partnership programs. You can also sign up to volunteer at their tables during shows, so I'm sure they'll be at MSG, and they'll be at all the shows that we have coming up after that, so check them out. You can find them on their website at fansforracialequity.org. And with that, I want to say thank you again, guys. And I hope I get to see both of you at a show one day. I'm going to have to hit some West Coast shows. I haven't seen West Coast fish since, like, I mean, probably the mid to late 90s. I think we'll do this year, right? Every other year. George 2023, bring it, you know? Yes, yes. Okay, so this is my plan. I'm going to get out there next summer. Now that I visited my sister and um, I, ha- I can go out without her being mad that I'm just going out to see fish and not seeing her in Oregon. So <laughs> um, I'm in and I'll hit you guys up when I do. So thank great. you both. And thanks everyone for watching and listening and we'll see you guys soon. Have a great night. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember the ones you're thinking about right now that feeling that feeling is coming soon from crowd network just search for death of a rock star on your podcast app and subscribe now